Hello, friend and colleague. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music on our show this week, episode 188. My special returning guest is the one and only Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. Our conversation today is about pricing. Best business practices right here on the Full Voice Podcast. Hello, welcome, and thank you. Thank you for pressing play. My friend and colleague, wherever you are listening from, I'm so grateful you are here. And as we always do with the very savvy Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, we have a very powerful episode. Before I dive in and invite my special guest, I do want to say a few things. First of all, oh my goodness, happy October. If you are listening to this podcast at time of release, it's October 2023. And my friends, oh, this is such a beautiful time of year. I know many of you have just started teaching. You're getting into the fall season. Halloween has to be one of my favorite themes and seasons in my teaching studio. And if you have not gone to the spooky singing page on Full Voice Music website, you are missing out. We have so many fun, uh, spooky song studies, and we have some great repertoire. Um, What's that sound? Zombie Cat? Mm, Amazing. And also, uh, one of the all-time favorite songs in our studio is Glynn's Dark and Dingy. And Dark and Dingy is just this beautiful song about a stormy night from the perspective of a dog. And it's so beautifully crafted. Uh, It's just so beautiful. So if you are looking for some Halloween, October, uh, fall season weather uh, songs, please check out the Full Voice Voice website, fullvoicemusic.com. And we also have free games, free, free downloads, lots of fun activities. Oh, and I almost forgot. I almost forgot. The Pumpkin Spice song. Ginger, cinnamon, nutmeg, cloves, all spice. That's right. (laughs) Whenever I open my spice cabinet, they're right there, and I usually end up singing it a few times while I'm cooking. So uh, the Pumpkin Spice Harmony Singing Game is a free download. It's on our website. It is a wonderful introduction to part singing, and it is so much fun. So please, please, please. That is what we love to do at Full Voice Music is create fun singing resources for you, for your classroom, for your studio, for your singers. So please check those out. I also want to remind everybody that the Happy Singing Teacher course, online course, is now available. And it is, uh, it's been like two years in the making. It started with live teacher training workshops. And when I welcome people into my Zoom room for teacher trainings, I always usually have a survey um, of their burning questions. What is it that you need to know? And then after a workshop, I usually send out another uh, uh, form, another survey saying, you know, what were you surprised to learn about? What do you need more information about? And what are you excited to try in your studio? So for two years, I interviewed teachers. 
I asked them what they needed to know about working with children and our Happy Singing Teacher course basically answers all of those questions. And it is so, it's concise, it's fun, um, very uh, engaging videos, lots of resources, and lots of teacher takeaways. So if you are looking to level up your skills, or if you're looking to welcome young singers into your studio, and your pedagogy courses didn't quite cover um, treble voices before voice change, we got you covered. So happy singing, teacher, course is now available. Please check that out. Now, without further ado, well, no, I changed my mind. October is my favorite time of year. And I do want to shout out to my friends from around the world. First of all, uh, Amy in Australia. Um, I, uh, we were talking through messenger and, um, uh, she was telling me that Christmas is hot and sunny on a beach and that she's she has not seen snow ever. So I have to put lots of pictures of snow on my Instagram. Wherever you are listening from, my friends, um, I am hoping that your season has started off just beautifully and that you are uh, just enjoying uh, working with your students. So uh, it's just, it's I love this time of year. It's just the leaves are changing here in Nova Scotia. It's beautiful. And we have had just absolutely summer-like sun during the day, but nice and cool in the morning and in the evening. So we have a nice fire uh, at the end of the day. So uh, wherever you are tuning in from, uh, I'm sending you a virtual hug from Nova Scotia. And uh, I am wishing you all the best into uh, your teaching season. Now, without further ado, my friends, Michelle has been a, a, a frequent guest on our podcast. And I will continue to invite her on to the show because not only um, is she a voice teacher with years and years of experience, but she's also a business expert. And she has been helping people, myself included, to really understand what decisions and, and what important things you need to know as a business owner. And I have learned so much from her for, for like over the past few years. And she, she was a guest on, I think, our second year of doing the podcast. And she's been a guest ever since. I wanted to bring her on today. Um, and this does tie in with uh, the conversation from episode 187. That was with our good friend, Bethany Turpin. Bethany had to make some very drastic changes to her pricing. And if you haven't listened to 187, spoiler alert, Bethany had to double her rates. Oh, yes. And a beautiful interview. And thank you to Bethany for that. But I wanted to follow up that conversation with um, a, a similar conversation with Michelle about pricing, about how you go about pricing and about how if you really want to help people. Well, I don't want to give it away, but it's not about keeping your prices low. Anyhow, without further ado, the delightful the sassy, and the super smart, Michelle Marquardt-DeVoe. Welcome back yet again to the Full Voice Podcast, my friend, my colleague, my sister from another Mr. 
business expert singing maven Michelle Marquardt DeVoe. How are you? Oh, I'm delighted by that introduction. It makes <laughs> me feel good in the cockles of my soul. Uh, I am good enough. Oh, I That's love it. That's the thing. Instead of saying fine, I've decided to say I'm good enough. Because like there it. are things like it's it's a it's a rough it's a rough world out there right now. Mm-hmm. Collectively and incidentally just some stuff going on you know some stuff personally going on in my own life mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. of all the bad things are happening they are happening in the the worst things are happening in the best possible way and so I'm good enough I like that I like that I like that uh that you honor all of that I try I tried doing it the other way for a real long time and it just well, I, I tend to just get on the Ragetown bus and tour around the city for a while. <laughs> I've never been on the Ragetown bus with you, Nikki. Not ever <laughs> once. <laughs> no, it's my own personal journey. That's how I manage things. I get super mad. And then I was like, okay, now that I'm I'm calm now, I, I wear myself out. I get tired. And then I'm like, yeah, I might have been unreasonable. <laughs> You know what? Now you know your process. So when you're in the middle of the Rage Town bus ride, you can mm-hmm. be like, "It's too sharp," and then <laughs> I'm sure that I um I'm always excited to talk to you. And uh, season eight, this is season uh-huh. eight of the podcast. Isn't that crazy? Friend, friend, I I am so proud of you I, I'm proud with you like because I know you're proud and then I'm proud and together we're proud I it, it it's kind of surreal I think about it, I'm like wow really has it been eight years and I go back and yeah and I do believe you were on you you were like season two two three. end of season two or beginning I, it was either end of season two or beginning of season three I'll have to go back and look but you have been with us on this journey and helping everybody with so many things and uh and uh I know I know many of the listeners of the podcast have then joined the speakeasy and and gotten to work with you I am so honored by that when you in fact I was listening to Bethany's podcast and um she had mentioned on there that she had done the how to run program and and it was I I just listened to I'm gonna cry I just listened to it with like tears streaming down my Mm. face because you know, just like honoring how your podcast was like her first step toward honoring herself. Mm. Mm. And I remember you and I talking about the podcast and being like, where is this going? And what's the point of it? And like really just, (laughs) you know, like just really honestly crunching through because it's such an important part of business when we have a non-revenue generating thing that's really important to us. Mm. It's like, yeah, it's really easy to be like, oh, it's marketing. But you know what? It's a lot of work. There's a lot of opportunity cost for you to create this podcast to keep it at the level that you keep it to have it and when I say level I mean content and also production value and 
I don't think people realize, Nikki, how the re how much you spend on this particular air quotes marketing resource. Well, thank you for bringing that up, and and and, and I'm glad that you brought it up because you're right. I I think people sometimes don't understand. And I have to, and while well, you know, cause we've had business meetings where I'm like, I'm, I'm really tired and I'm, I'm tired of doing the podcast and I don't know if I want to do it anymore. But then usually what happens is I have an interview with someone and it's so powerful and it's such great information. And then I am inspired and I'm like, no, this is important. And then I'll get an email from someone or, a, or an Instagram message. And they'll be like, I, I loved this. It helped me. And then I, and then I'm re-inspired, but, uh, uh, yeah. it is, and you know, it, it makes me, it makes me really appreciate other well put together podcasts and, and other content creators. It makes me appreciate the work that they do. And, and it, it, it gives me like a different viewpoint and it's like, wow, I know how much work that is. Can good, good on you for going there and, and, you know, making sure it's top quality and, and all of that. So, yeah, I, I love that you said that because I think that, you know, in any self-employed person, you either have, you know, or a small business owner, self-employed, meaning like you're just solopreneur, small business. I'm just assuming you have a team. Um, I think when someone is self-employed, because they're doing everything, they, they fall on either... I, I hate to make it binary because of, of course it's a spectrum, but there's a spectrum of understanding. Let's call mm. it instead of binary. Let's not use a binary or there's a spectrum of understanding about the amount of work that goes into the things that help them run their business. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, I find this a lot with, you know, like, and I say this as a person who often complains about plugins on my website. <laughs> oh my gosh. Don't get me started about plugins. Right. Right. Uh, but it's this idea of like, I think we would all do better to remember that on the other side of everything that we're engaging with, there are humans doing work. Mm. And sometimes oh, so it's a lot of work that, might be in their zone of genius, like they're good at it and they love it, mm -hmm. but it's still something that costs them. Mm -hmm. And I wish that more self-employed people understood that about others mm -hmm. in addition to kind of getting upset or hurt when it's not understood about them. Oh, beautiful. And... Mm. You know, it's interesting because when we talked about, what do you want to talk about for this podcast? And I loved it. You just boxed me and you're like, I want to talk about the cost of paying it forward. <laughs> and, you know, as I sit here thinking about this, I'm like, this is one of those costs, right? Is, is that we, we want to pay it forward so badly that, that we don't create a business that we can afford to invest in high quality um, softwares, high quality accompanists or collaborative pianists, high quality podcast producers, high quality 
web developers, you know, whatever it is. And, and we don't like, it's like, we don't make the connection that like our lack of resources is what's stopping us from really creating a stellar experience for our clients. And then we kind of get wrapped up in like, well, why isn't this a better experience? It's like, do you, first of all, they're not only, (laughs) these website developers aren't working with only 20 people or 50 people. They're working with thousands of people at scale, which is a very, very different business model than like a self-employed person who probably, well, in the music industry, I would hope no more than 50 clients. And that's even too much, in my opinion, in a private studio situation. But, you know, these these little micro costs are like when, when we're not making enough. We, we can't, we can't invest in what we need to invest in. Mm, I love that. Well, I don't then, love that, but I, I love what you're saying. <laughs> and, and I know, I mean, I know that I'm kind of, my connectedness is kind of going a little bit wonky right now. I know it's all over the place, but in my mind, it's like, okay, we can't invest in high quality things. And then we get upset at the low quality things Mm, because right. we're hustling sure. so hard in order to make the thing work while not also honoring that they're probably hustling really hard to make the thing work. But yeah. then you, like, it's just a very convoluted um, misunderstanding of how to get what you need from the things that you spend money on. So that was a round thing, but hey, welcome to my brain. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the interconnectedness, interconnectedness of all of it is, is we don't, we don't see all of this, all of how it, it weaves into what we do, what other people do, how they perceive our business, how we can grow our business. So I, when we were talking about what we wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to, I want to backtrack first. I have a, I have a question for you that I need to know it's Q4 Mm. for like now my, my business full voice music is a January to end of December business. Now, fun fact, it was originally a June to July business and I hated it because my brain Mm. just could not wrap around the concept of a year end at the end of July. I don't, and, and, and then I asked my accountant, I'm like, I don't like it. Can we change our fiscal year? And we had to write a letter to Revenue Canada. So my business is a January to December. This is Q4. So this is like end of year. Do yeah. you have like a like a specific plan of action or focus in your Q4? Me personally. Yes. In the Speakeasy Cooperatives. And it's yes, tentacles. <laughs> and it's tentacles. And I mean, all things you so do is like Q four a a thing where you do yeah. you have a different mindset or you're planning ahead or you're reflecting or you're firing everybody. Like what happens? In I Q4? am not firing anyone. Okay. I I'm I'm notoriously bad at letting people go. Um, but I have I have done that hard thing because it's an important thing to do for the good of the person and the good of the company. Um, so 
Yes. Generally speaking, I view Q4 for three things. Mm. Supporting the people in SECO who are doing all of their holiday shenanigans. Okay. Because there's so many holidays. There's the Jewish high holidays. There's uh, Canadian Thanksgiving, United States Thanksgiving. There's uh, the winter holidays. There's so many like holiday things happening and people are doing winter recitals. There's doing like fall shows. So very much about just supporting that. And then a lot of people like they get a bee in their bonnet in Q4 where they are like, oh, I got to do stuff for the new year, which is great. So I put a lot of attention on not growing the my business. Like that's not a growth quarter for okay. my business. It's a support quarter for my mm-hmm. business, for the clientele. But what I am selling is the VIP program because that is an annual program, January to December. Ah. So that's kind of my one sales thing that mm-hmm. we're working on. And the sales process for that is really high touch because it is very, very limited seats. It is high intensity mastermind for people who are wanting to increase their revenue and their reach and their impact. So it's a lot of you know people who want to do impactful things um, and then need the kind of bolstering and then the very... Uh, intensive support around that mm-hmm. and um and then winding down like personally I'm winding down and I'm really trying to go personally slow because I know in January we hit the ground running with VIP we almost immediately start the sales cycle for the how to run your biz without hating your boss program we are not this year, uh, not in 2024, because we have Seco Live coming up in um, less than a month from today. Mm-hmm. Um, we won't do the next Seco Live until 2025. Uh, so we won't be doing that. But those are the kinds of things. Is January and February are big sales planning months. And then if we have a conference that we're going to or a lot of travel, I'm not going to do any big conferences in 24, I need a break. My body mm. needs a break. My mind needs a break. I've had a lot of loss and a lot of grief in the last couple years. And so my 2024 personally is going to be more about just working the business and supporting the team and supporting the clientele and uh, maybe a trip to Nova Scotia. <gasps> Are you serious? My- Are you just teasing me? I'm not teasing you. I looked at plane tickets and was like, precious Lord, take my hand. <laughs> like, I was like, all right, well, saving up for that. But yeah, little, I'm really doing that. So generally to answer your question in a very long-winded way, quarter four for our business is client focused and selling VIP because we want to make sure that the people in VIP are really, really confident about the investment. They're really nice. great. Like, because it's a lot of time commitment in addition to the uh, financial commitment. And we want to make sure that their business is at a place where it makes sense for them to make that financial commitment. Mm -hmm. I don't do the whole, like, you've never started a business, but give me five figures in order to help you. Like, uh uh-uh, we don't Mm -hmm. don't do that. Um, Those are businesses that need to be revenue generating already. So 
Yeah. Month quarter one is sales. Then quarter two and quarter three are really getting into how to run, running the programs and just continuing, you know, continuing to sell and offer Speakeasy Cooperative. We, because we're constantly doing work in Speakeasy with, Mm. you know, the trainings and all of that. So that that's always going in the background. Anyways, we all have these like recurring work that we're doing for the members and create creation. So, uh, and then you throw, yeah. When I think about it, it's like, man, we do a lot. Well, you do. Absolutely. And, and I, and I want to shout out to all the teachers, you know, who are listening to this, this, I mean, I love hearing you talk about this and I love the information that you've shared with me through this through the speakeasy and through our coaching about planning and thinking about the year. And I love what you just said about, and I'm going to wind down and take some time because, you know, teacher burnout is so huge. And I struggled with that for years and I am, I like working. I, I work way too much. I'm sure my family would tell you that, but it's important to, to know your seasons per se. Um, and, and, and what the focuses are, cause it helps, it helps you to plan things in a productive, but also a healthy way. Yeah. I, I, Planning, man, planning, planning, planning. The first thing you got to plan is your money. The second thing you got to plan is your time. The third thing you got to plan is your capacity, which will make you revisit your money and your time. <laughs> <laughs> well put, well put. Right. But- I want, I wanted to, um, I wanted to bring up a spicy topic. You, you'd posted this on the socials and I was, I kind of I kind of chuckled when I saw it, which is why you should never go to Facebook forums to ask people about what you should charge for your lessons. And I, 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 I kind of laughed because I'm pretty sure there was a couple of posts in our forum about that exact thing, and we see it all the time. So, would you be so kind to kind of unpack that a little bit for those people that are? You know, I know that for a lot of North American teachers, the teaching year has just started and hopefully you've you've set your fees, you know, but a lot of teachers come January, you know, will think about increasing their rates or changing their changing their systems a little bit. So do you mind unpacking that a little bit? for for me i'm poking a bear here you you really are i don't know if you're poking a bear or like dangling a carrot because this is one of my favorite things to okay i'm dangling a carrot (laughs) i i'm so passionate about pricing it's really i talk about it more than is probably necessary but it, it to me it's like one of those foundational i mean it's the foundation of your business is how much revenue it can generate and how much spending, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as of late, I have been experiencing a lot of people kind of coming out of pandemic mindset and realizing inflation went through the roof. And we did a bunch of trainings on this inside Seco, and I wrote a blog on this too. If mm-hmm. you can find that, you can post to it here uh, or post to it in the show notes. Um just a lot of people recalibrating 
the reality that things got rough for a lot for the entire economy, Western mm-hmm. economy. And now they're second guessing their pricing or they've decided to like move on from an academic position or from a job or from working at another multi-teacher studio because they perceive that they want to make more money or they perceive that it will make them more money. And then they want to know how to price. And I, I have to say, I'm, I don't get mad when I read these threads, I get deeply concerned Mm. and I feel sad. Yeah. And it's because the, the advice that inevitably comes is not based in good financial principles and is not based on good, um, just like best practice in running self-employed or small business. And I get, a there's a lot of like charge what you're worth. And I, I mean, you and I have talked about this privately, but I am so against the idea of charging that concept of charging what you're worth because it is so loaded with inaccuracies around how money works. Right. Right. Really, you know, it's just, it makes it so personal in something that is math. And the math is there as a tool to help you succeed, mm-hmm. not as a thing to like equate your value or importance with. So true. Um, and it completely removes the... Co- <laughs> It just removes all of the important things you need to understand about like what business model you have, blah, blah, blah. So to answer your question again in a roundabout way, why did I post that and unpack that? The reason why I do not think we should be asking people what to charge in Facebook groups is because what that does is it communicates a few things. One is which that a historically underfunded and un- undercharging community is somehow going to give you the right answer about that. Boom. Oh, Asking ouch. Of, okay, I, we, not, I got that. I'm thank sorry. you. No, it's the truth. It's the truth. Can you say that again? Because I, I want people to just absorb that for a second. I think what I said was the assumption is that, I mean, like you're going and you're asking a bunch of people who are historically underfunded and historically not making enough money and and undercharging their opinion on what you should charge. Hmm. So it's like asking a chef how to fix your toilet. (laughs) I'm sure that there are chefs out there that fix their own toilets. Absolutely. Right. But really, is that the person you should be asking about Mm. fixing? So there's kind of that concept. The second thing is because there's a because there's a perceived market that is underfunded and undercharged. That to me is the equivalent of like market rate um, pricing because it's not a true market because it's all made up numbers. 
Oh, interesting. Sure. You, you know what I mean? Like it's not a real mm-hmm. tangible data driven. It's not, it doesn't have a data set that's accurate to what people will actually pay for these particular things. Mm-hmm. And we know this because of how wide the price ranges are. So this is just an economic principle. The fact that you, I mean, it's like kind of like cars, like you can buy a $12,000 car, or you can buy a $200,000 car, right? So the markets are, you don't have the car market. It's right. not one market. It's like, okay, we have our like upper luxury line and then we have our economy line, like, right. But when you go into a Facebook group, you're asking all of those price points a question and therefore you're not going to get a right answer. You don't know if the person answering you is selling a luxury car or if they're selling like a economic car. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you, you, you don't have the right data set. Because it's such a vast change of prices. Um, Then, of course, as I mentioned, you get the whole like, charge what you're worth. Don't worry about it. And it's like, well, that's not helpful because, first of all, you can never charge what you're worth. You're too valuable to charge what you're worth. There's no way in a million years any human should put a monetary value on themselves. Stop. Don't do that. It's not money. Like that, it just doesn't work. So that, and I have a whole like workshop I give on that. So I won't do that here. Um, and then the other reason is just because the it is actually a very specific and detailed process to figure out your pricing. Mm-hmm. Like there's an there's step by step <laughs> to do this, and there's a lot of factors that have to be accounted for when you choose how to price, because it's not only about how much you're going to make. It's very much a marketing and sales tool. Price is a marketing and sales tool. But until you're making enough money to think about it as a marketing and sales tool, you can't use it as the powerful marketing and sales tool that it is. Right. So if you're not making enough money to just meet your basic needs, you cannot use it as a marketing and sales tool intentionally, even though you are communicating something with that price that is a marketing and sales something you're communicating, right? If you're not charging a lot, you're communicating something. You are marketing mm. something that price, right? right? So um, I don't want people to ask Facebook groups anymore how to price. I want them to come to my pricing workshop. I want them to book a one-on-one with me or any coach that knows how to actually take you through a pricing process. Like it doesn't have to be me. Talk with your accountant, like whatever it is, because it starts with how much does it cost to run this business, including your salary? Mm. That's where it starts. And it's not, well, I think I could charge $60 an hour. And then I could work a hundred hours a week. And you know, I, you know what I mean? I have Tina, the calculator here, we could figure it out. So, okay. I could charge $60 an hour and I could teach 20 lessons a week and that's $1,200 a week. So I could, if I worked all 52 weeks, make $62,400. I could, if I worked hard enough, if I just charged this, Oh. Instead of instead of how we should be doing it, in my not so humble opinion, which is how much money do you want to make? 
How much money does this business have to generate for you in order for you to cover all of the overhead of the business, running the business, all the continuing education, all the things that will be business expenses? How much do you have to make to cover that and pay your salary based on your personal financial needs plus all the taxes and make a profit so that you can build a capital fund slash emergency fund slash whatever? I need to make... $100,000 a year. Start there. What do I need to charge? What do I need to do? Do I need more than one offer? Which offer needs to be priced what? That's just where you start, though. You have to have that number first, and then we start asking the nuanced questions. Great. What kind of offer is it? What kind of business do you want to own? And when I say business, I'm assuming we're all like voice teachers, music teachers here. So I mean, like, well, what kind of voice studio do you want to own something that has several different offers? Do you only want to be doing one-on-one voice lessons? That's a very different business model. You know, do you want to do voice and group? Do you also want to create downloadables? You know, what kind of business do you think you want this to look like? What are the unique value? You know, there's all of these other questions that go into it. How much revenue is this revenue stream making, you know, in the overall revenue of the business? And and people are like, well, I don't want to over, I don't want to think about all that. And I was like, well, you chose to own a business, so you chose to think about that, <laughs> whether you wanted to or not. Like maybe you are bait and switched into owning a business, <laughs> you know. I'll give you that. You know, what is that meme with the flag where it says what um we we don't do this because it's easy. We we do this because we thought it would be easy. <laughs> right? You know, like, oh. it's good that we understand. It's it's so good. So that's what I meant by that. Is like mm-hmm. don't don't sell yourself short like that. Your business is so much more capable. Mm-hmm. You are so much more capable at running a business that can generate the income you desire when you understand the principles behind how you're doing it. Right. I posted that and then some, there was someone on my Facebook page who commented and said, but what if I want to like give scholarships? What if I want to like essentially pay it forward? You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever given people a break? And I'm like, yes, of course, but that's the whole point. And that's like, I call it like the little name I put on it is pricing for generosity. Mm, I like that. Yeah. It's like my little workshop pricing Mm -hmm. for generosity. We're going to be doing it in November. Stay tuned for links. Um, It's the first time I'm ever going to give a pricing workshop outside of the Speakeasy Cooperative. I've never done one for the I will definitely put links to that. Thank you. Um, So, but, but it's this idea that like you cannot give money that you do not have. That is not generosity. Mm. That is stupidness. (laughs) <laughs> yeah you know, it's just I mean and that's I'm not saying people are stupid I'm just saying that doesn't it's not logical you can't give you literally can't give something you don't have mm-hmm. so if you already know that you want to be providing x number of sliding sales slots or x number of scholarships in your studio then you have to build that into your budget up front so that your overall price point can make up for that income and you're not actually not making enough money. Right. This is, um, 
I learned this concept from Jaquette Timmons, and it's something that I have taken and run with as a concept in our in our field. And it's it's figuring out first what you want to give. Oh. Where do you want to give? That's the first thing you figure out. Then you figure out how much you want to save. Save up, right? Invest, Mm -hmm. retirement, Mm -hmm. save. Then you figure out how much you want to spend. And that will tell you how much you need to earn. That is, that, that is friendlier than, than, because you're, you're, I like that. I like the thought behind that, right? Because you're, you're thinking about the good you can do with your money. Absolutely. And, and you know what, it's so cool that Jaquette does this model because she, it's like she put into words something that, and y'all follow her everywhere on Instagram and everything. She has a great book called financial intimacy as well for couples. Um, it's so fascinating to me that the biggest concern is like, but people aren't going to be able to afford it. I want to help them. And I'm like, right, but you actually haven't thought about how you're going to do that. And so you're just not making enough money. Mm. How does that help anybody? Because that brings the entire economy down. And it's, you know, like you were saying earlier, this kind of idea of interconnectedness. It's like our individual choices about how we price affect every other voice teacher in the voice teacher community. Because that's economics, individual choices that create collective data changes the data. So the more people we have undercharging because they're air quotes trying to be nice, they're actually not being very nice to the entire industry. And therefore they're not being nice to the people who will be in this industry in the future. Well, that's always what I think about. It's like, you know, our pricing, we're, are we setting up another generation primarily of women to continue to set themselves up to struggle? Yes. Right? It, again, this is the other reason why I don't like the whole, like, you language around mm. your worth charge, because then it gets all tangled up into, like, how much I am personally sacrificing in my business attributes to my view of how I feel about myself. And this is ultimately a connection with people's deep distrust of oligarchs and plutocrats. So we have a deep distrust, which we should mm. have a deep <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> right? Like it's, it's, it, is, it is applying a loathing for a set for a type of wealth onto the little person. And that is exactly what toxic versions of capitalism wants you to do. That is what late stage capitalism wants you to do. It wants you to blame the uber rich and then connect that line of thinking all the way down to a person who makes enough to be happy. Interesting. And that is not, and hey, we could have a conversation about capitalism and I'm sure you would get a whole lot of responses (laughs) because that's the other thing in the arts is everyone is mad at capitalism. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
we need to slow our rolls, friend. Like we need to really understand what these economic models are, how they come about, and how you as the self-employed person or small business owner actually have great amounts of power in this economic system that you are not using because you don't understand the system. Mm. Like you literally change the world if you understood these principles. This idea of like, Our individual choice to help people is what makes us feel good about ourselves, but that isn't actually helping anybody. So, so circling back. So a lot of teachers feel that by keeping their prices low, they are paying it forward. They're allowing, they're allowing, you know, families that are, you know, struggling or families that, you know, wouldn't maybe have the opportunity to do music. And I, I wanted to just, one of the things that I always think about, because we worked with, with, um, marginalized communities when we were in Hamilton at the church and Mm. across the street was the women's shelter and down the street was another, um, uh, care facility, walking clinic for, you know, families that needed help. And, and our, our church was the out of the cold. Like we, we, we were working with a lot of families that were struggling and talked to a lot of families. And I know that, I know that it's not, we're all limited with the resources that we have. And if I'm a family in crisis or if my family is struggling, a lot of the times it's, it's not just money that I don't have. Right. Like I, I I don't have a vehicle or I don't have a partner to help me. I don't have means of getting the children anywhere other than from school to home, or I don't have support for the learners at home. That's quite often a big thing with families in crisis. So when I see people saying, well, I'm going to keep prices low because, you know, and I'm like, who who are you keeping prices low for? And and are you like what what who do you actually think is like cuz really families that need help might not need it that way. And how else could you actually help them? I I wish people could see me waving my hanky at you right now. I <laughs> I mean Let's talk social justice, Nikki. Let's just have five minutes where you and I talk social justice and talk about the concepts of felt needs, because that's what you're talking about. I've never heard that term, felt needs. Yeah. So felt needs needs is when you are meeting needs that are felt. I mean, (laughs) circular reasoning, but (laughs) the, the concept of a felt need challenges the white supremacist way of thinking of philanthropy. Oh. Where philanthropists give money to a cause that they have deemed worthy of help. It is not our job to decide what other people need. It is our job to respond to the needs that people tell us they have. So to that end, well, I want to scholarship three students. Do they need your money or do they need to get picked up from school? 
Right. And then have you teach the lesson? Because maybe their parent is working three jobs. Right. And there's no bus route to your home because you are in the woods. <laughs> there's no buses <laughs> to my home. Yeah. But, <laughs> But that's what we're talking about with like, right. like if you really want to unpack the pricing thing, which you are doing, is this idea of like keeping your rates low actually more often than not is because you have decided what another person's felt need is. Right. Very few people tell you it's too expensive when their real felt need is money. It's too expensive is code for I don't want to pay that because I don't value it at that. Someone who really doesn't have the money is going to ask you to do what you do in a different way. They're going to say, can I come less often? They're going to say like they something someone who does not have money, air quotes, does not have money, but still wants the service, finds a way. Right. Right. Absolutely. Someone who has enough money and that just doesn't want to spend it on whatever they don't want to spend it on will say that it's too expensive. That's a very helpful clarification. And I think this goes back to the marketing and sales process is that we've got a whole bunch of people who are deeply wounded by their own experiences in the arts, injured right. by their own experience in the arts. And so Telling them you have to sell yourself brings up all sorts of yucky feelings. Mm. But I'm going to tell you what, if you want to charge $250 an hour for a voice session, do it. But you need to know how to market and sell that. Right. right. You can't just charge it and then be like, people will pay it because they should. No, they should not. Not for $250. <laughs> I need to know why I'm spending that $250 cuz that's not that's not chump change. And I think that's the other misunderstanding when we start doing this in the Facebook groups and when we don't understand it's like if you come up with a billable hour after like let's say we do some work together, come to the workshop, you figure out just your baseline billable hour. Mm -hmm. And it's like real real big and you have never in your life sold anything for that amount of money. It is very silly for people to tell you, but you're worth it. <laughs> and that's what, what really concerns me and makes me sad about the Facebook groups is that $250 an hour in New York city is very different than $250 an hour in the middle of Kansas. Mm. Or in Peru or in Portugal or Absolutely. you know what I mean like yeah but if that is the number you come up with that means that those those offers are going to be very different and the way you market and sell them the process what's going to be contained in that offer is going to be different simply because of the local market which comes last right. that's when you look at the market Mm -hmm. And are like, okay, well, if I really want to give this really high-end luxury experience in New York City and my billable is 250 then I probably need to charge five. Right. 
<laughs> right. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And okay, I really want to give this high end experience. My billable is two fifty. Oh, that's going to be real hard to sell in this market. I need to rethink the offer. Or I need to have a couple different scales. So I'm going to do like this other thing that's like maybe a hundred. And then I'll have this one really high end 250, but then I'll, you know, do a group thing with a hundred each. And, you know, like it's not, it's not that you can't do it. It's that you really have to think through it instead of just being like, I feel like charging 150 an hour because I went to have my doctorate. <laughs> I'm like, you probably should wind up paying 150, but let's make sure the math works out to that first. Right. And then let's teach you how to market and sell that, mm -hmm. um, you know, to whomever you are marketing and selling to. Right. And when it comes to the felt needs and figuring out what you want to give, this is the other reason why, looping back around to the felt needs, this is the other reason why we start with what we want to give. Because if we want to give voice lessons... We have to ask, is that what people actually want? Because maybe your local community needs someone to go to the Y and teach choir once a week. Right. Go give that. Maybe somebody needs you to work with your church community to do like a little toddler choir for a holiday event. <laughs> Go volunteer your time and do right. that. Right. What do people actually need? What do you want to give? Michelle, you are uh, my hero. Thank you so much for shedding light on businesses and how we can do better and protect ourselves and, and build businesses that we love and do the right thing. And um, I will see you in Q1. You sure will. A very special thank you to our dear friend, Michelle. And yes, all of Michelle's information and links to all of her incredible offerings, including information about the Speak Easy Cooperative, is on the show notes. Be sure to check that out if you would like to work with an incredible community of people who are helping each other to be the best teachers they can be and the smartest business owners they can be. You want to check that out. My friend and colleague, if you are starting your teaching season, I am wishing you all the success, all the smiles, all the singing. And of course, as always, inspired teaching, happy singing. <laughs>